Good evening, Salt Company. Man, first off, dang it, Colin, all right? I'm trying to make it through this night without losing it. Uh, but we are, <laughs> guys, I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm excited to teach the Bible. Uh, we've got the last uh, sermon of our Living the Dream series. Got our last regular service of the year. Um, and here's what we've been doing in this Living the Dream series. We realize that the world is telling you all these different ways that you need to live in order to live the dream. But what we come to find when we spend time in the Bible is that those are all counterfeit ways trying to promise things that it cannot fulfill. And so the one that I want to look into tonight is a little bit different, and it's on the topic of adventure. Okay, because here I, I think the, the idea of the American dream has kind of shifted a little bit to where there's this longing that we all have to go out and to explore the world. Like if we could be freed up and have all the money to go travel and see everything, then we would have the dream. And we, we look online and we see all these different vloggers, we see different channels, we see different pages, all showcasing all these cool places that they've gone to and basically just listing out all the cool places that you haven't seen, Right? So it's all these amazing places that seem so much better than the textbooks that you're looking at right now. And in your mind, there's this idea, like, if I could just go, if I could just travel, if I could just see, then I would experience life. And I think that is kind of what it really boils down to. This idea of wanting to adventure, this idea of wanting to see the world, what, what we truly want in that is that we want to write an amazing story for our lives. We want to experience and to find life. And so this adventure could lead us down a lot of different paths. Like it could lead you to wanting to see the world. It could lead you to just wanting that nice house and that family. It could lead you to wanting to chase after some career path in order for you to find life. We have this desire within us to seek and to find life for ourselves, to write a story that looks amazing to the people that are around us. And this is communicated in a lot of different ways in culture, but here's, here's a way that I've been seeing it lately, okay? Through the realm of story. So I've been freshening up on my kid books recently, and here's one of the most famous Dr. Seuss books out there. Oh, the places you'll go, right? We all love it, I'm sure. Uh, you probably don't even remember it, but here's the last line from that story. It says, you're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. All right, sounds lovely. But here's like, here's the heart behind this. What it's saying is that you're going to, like, the whole story is this epic story of going through highs and lows throughout life, but ultimately persevering so that you can write an amazing story for your life. So that you can be the author of what people remember you by. And so what that means is that you are dreaming of all the places that you could go for you to find life. And we hear this kind of longing for life in a couple different phrases. You know, it's like the life isn't the destination, it's the journey, right? Or some might hear this cheesy saying, like, you're the light of my life, right? Just really laying it on thick. And I just want to say, if anyone says that, 
my guess is they're going to put way too much pressure on you, okay? Too many expectations if they're laying down lines like that. That's tips for free, okay? Or, you know, the, the catchy phrase, ball is life, right? You know, if um, some of you, some of you in a real way put way too much bank in your intramural sports, okay? I'm just, just saying I was there, so I get it. Uh, but here's the thing. We have a passion within us to chase down the new and the exciting. And I think underneath that, there's this deep fear that we would live a mediocre life. That we would live a life that doesn't matter, a life that doesn't mean anything. And so we have this eager longing to write a story for ourselves that matters. And while you're in college, you're looking forward to the rest of your life with incredible dreams, incredible anticipation for all of the different ways that you will find life. All the things in your future that you are going to accomplish in order to find life. And I, I actually want to open the Bible again with you guys this week. And what we're going to look at is the Bible speaks often to this idea of life. But what it does in parts of the Bible is it breaks it down into this dichotomy of light versus darkness. And so we see that throughout the Bible, that there's this, comp there's this battle going on between the light of the world and the darkness that is in the world. And what those two things mean, light referring to life and darkness referring to death. That there is a path that actually leads to greater and greater experiences of joy, greater and greater experiences of life that you could walk down. But there's also one that leads to a greater and greater experience of shame, guilt, and ultimately death. And so when we talk about this idea of light, which is going to be the phrase that we're using for the rest of this sermon, so when we talk about light, what I mean is that you would experience a purpose-filled life, that you would have a life that has meaning and purpose and satisfaction and joy. All of those things is what the light that is being spoken to in the Bible, that is what it's talking about, something that we all crave, and this is something that God has actually wired within us, that we would long to live in the light, that we would run after the light, that we would live a life worth living. And so we, we now live in that tension between darkness and light, and here is the issue with humanity. We have grown so accustomed to walking in the darkness of this world that we try to convince ourselves that it's actually light. We try to settle and we try to make roots in the darkness of the world and the different dark paths that this world puts before you that we try to convince ourselves that maybe this is the glimmer of light that I've been looking for all along. And so I want to look at this in three different ways, but the first one that we need to notice is that the world is darkness. Okay, so we're going to look at John 8. So if you have a Bible, open up to John 8. We're narrowing in on verse 12 this evening, okay? You can also read along on the screen. So it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay, so he says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So if you do a lot of deep study to unpack, if you do the reverse of that, what he's saying is if you don't follow me, you will walk in darkness, okay? You see how I made that uh, connection? And so what Jesus is doing is he's speaking to the crowd of people that have gathered around him. He's speaking to some disciples, but he's speaking as well to the Pharisees. 
who have come to listen to him teach, looking for more and more ways to kind of call him out on his errors. And the Pharisees are actually a group of people that really felt like they found the path to light themselves. Like, man, they knew all the answers. They knew Scripture more than anyone in this room, probably more than everyone in this room combined. They knew the Scriptures. They were seen as morally perfect. They were the religious elites in society. And so to them, they're at odds with Jesus because they're like, no, we have discovered the path to light ourselves. We don't need you, Jesus. But Jesus is responding with something that's very counterculture to that time and it's very counterculture to our time. And that is that every other path of this world outside of Christ, every other path leads you to darkness, not light. That actually every other path this world presents before you is leading more and more towards death. And I think as we sit with those words from Jesus, and as we look back on our past, we feel the reality of that. Like we see how the world hasn't provided like we thought it would. We remember moments where we put all of our hope into something and that fell through. So maybe there's a, a relationship that fell short. Grades that didn't provide you what, you what you expected them to. The approval that you wanted. Or gossip didn't help your ego like you thought it would. It actually brought about more brokenness in relationships, not benefit. And so we stumble around in the dark room of this world hoping to find light, and we only experience more and more darkness. But even though we know that pursuing the world only leads to darkness, and we know that that leads to death, what we have a tendency of doing is that we try to block that out because we are hoping with everything in us that the thing before us could provide us the light that we've been longing for our entire life. Like, okay, I know this didn't measure up the last time, but what if this time it does? Okay, I know this fell short for me the time before, but what if this time it provides the light that my soul has been longing for? For me to feel purpose, for me to feel contentment, for me to feel satisfaction. What if it did it this time? Okay, so I want you to imagine with me that you are about to board the Titanic, okay? If you don't know what the Titanic is, it was the unsinkable ship that sunk, okay? Sunk real good. And here, here's a little more detail about the Titanic. It was the cutting edge of technology of that time. Like, it was the, the greatest ship of this world with kind of the greatest features, the greatest entertainment, the greatest food service, all you could think about. It was for the wealthiest people, but... Here's the catch I want to throw to you. So imagine you're boarding the, tit- the Titanic, but you know what happens to the Titanic. So you're like, ah, oh, that's probably not a good idea. I probably shouldn't get on that boat. But I hear there's some really amazing food on this ship. I heard there's some incredible performers. I heard this ship is just this beautiful work of art that I could search over and over. And so what you do is that you block out the reality of where this ship is heading in order to find hope in maybe what it would provide for you. And how often do we do this in our walk with Christ? Though we know where the darkness of this world is heading, that it's leading towards death, 
we still say, oh, I'll give it one more shot. I'll still put my hope in it this time. I'll still expect that it'll provide the light that I've been longing for, even though I know where this world ultimately leads. That Jesus said that he came to bring life and to bring it abundantly. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe this time he won't. Some of you might even be looking into your summer. And you're looking to dark parts of your past, and you're kind of in this wishful thinking, like maybe it will provide joy this time around. Maybe it'll provide light. Like if I could just jump back into drinking with my high school friends, then I would find light. Or if I could just run hard after this internship, maybe it would be the thing that would provide security for the rest of my life. Or for some of you, maybe it's just I I just want to be incredibly lazy over the summer. I don't want any plans. I don't want any responsibilities. I don't want to serve anyone else. But I just want to sit back because you think that will give you the rest that your soul longs for. Even though we know where the darkness of this world leads, we convince ourselves that maybe it has the light that we long for, so we hop on the ship. And even as you process that, I, I want you to think about, as you look into your summer, even to think about how would you fill in this blank? My summer needs to do this for it to be worth it. My summer needs to provide blank for it to be worth it. How would you fill in that blank? We've grown so accustomed to the darkness that we try to convince ourselves that it is light. Where where in your life are you convincing yourself that you can find life in this world? Where are you trying to find light, light in the darkness? Where you've been exhausted, you've been tirelessly searching, but you still are hoping that maybe it could provide it this time around. Because what we know is that since this world is darkness, any pursuit in this world will only lead to more and more darkness. And so what that means is that we actually can't find the light that we're looking for in this world. Someone had to come from outside of this world to bring that light to us. And that's our second point, that Jesus is the light of the world. He just says that statement, I am the light of the world. And in John 1, 1 through 5, John talks about him coming in this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking about Jesus, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Martin Luther King Jr. is famously known as saying, darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can do that. So what, what we know is that we don't need a better path in this life for us to find the light. We needed someone to invade from outside this world to bring it to us. And so what Jesus did is that he looked down on this world, saw all of our pursuits towards darkness, running from him in order to find light, running towards careers, relationships, whatever it might be, but running as far from Jesus as we could to find light. He looked down on us, and he didn't retract back, but he says, I'm going to bring my light to them. And he came to this world to reveal the light that this world has longed for all along. Because he realized that there are so many different counterfeit paths 
two light that this world promises, but none of them follow through on their promises. And what we know about Jesus is that he can remain constant in his promises for light because he himself is the source of light. In him, there is no darkness at all. That's what we know about King Jesus. We know that this light broke into the darkness of this world, and I know that the light has broken into the darkness of some of your stories as well. A story of someone running as far from Jesus as you could to find light elsewhere. A story of someone who doesn't need Jesus because you've done all the right things growing up. A story of someone who's been really good at turning seemingly good things into God things. A story that causes you to say, I don't know if the light of Jesus can shine into the darkness of my past. And I want to bring your eyes back to John 1 in verse 5 where it says, The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Do you realize what the emphasis of that verse is? The emphasis isn't on how great the darkness is. The emphasis is how the darkness couldn't stand a chance against the light of Christ. And here's what some of you believe when you approach Jesus. You have convinced yourself that Jesus doesn't want anything to do with you because you've walked in darkness, that your past is full of darkness. But we see that the darkness is the very place that Jesus chose to bring his light. That's the very place that Jesus chose to invade with his light. And so what we know is that the light of Christ invades the farthest reaches of this world and invades the farthest corners of your story as well. So that everyone is able to come and they're invited into the light of Christ, what you have been longing for your entire life. So some of you have never put your faith in Christ. You're still looking for the college scene. You're still looking for the career to provide the light that you have been looking for. And what I want to say to you is that the invitation is freely out to you to come to King Jesus. He has done everything on your behalf. He went to the darkness of the cross where he took the wrath of God for your brokenness. And then he rose again to offer you that new life that you are as welcome to come to Christ right now as you will ever be. And some of you need to remember because in your walk with Christ, you're like, okay, I I see that Christ saved me, but I feel like I need to take it from here. I feel like I need to work really hard to prove myself. And what I need to remind you of is that Christ has already given you his light. He has already made you a son or daughter of the king. That is the identity of who you are now. This is not wishful thinking. That's reality over your life. And if you're sitting in here tonight, and what you're wrestling with is, man, I don't know if I'm good enough to be a Christian. Here's what I want to say clearly. You aren't. None of us are. This is a room full of people that didn't meet the mark. This is a family of people with brokenness all in our past. But if you continue to try to be good enough, you will be constantly looking in a place to find light that only brings about darkness. You will be constantly looking for light in a dark place. You need the light of Christ to shine into your story for you to find the light that you've been looking for. 
The light of Christ is not something that can be earned because darkness cannot produce light. It must be given to you from Christ. Okay, so a couple different times throughout my life, I've gone uh, exploring through caves, right? So spelunking, if you will. So I've gone on a couple different trips where you're going into these caves, okay? And sometimes it's kind of fun to see, like, how far can I get into this thing without using my headlamp, right? Which you quickly find out not far um, because it gets pitch black in this place, and you're like cold, you're bumping into every sharp pointy stone that's coming out from this cave, and what seemed like an adventure is immediately terrifying. What would be a wrong thing for me to do? There'd be a lot of wrong things, I'm sure, but one of those wrong things would be for me to sit in that spot and wait for my eyes or wait for my body to produce light so that I could continue on. Why is that ridiculous? Because our bodies don't produce light. We respond to light. And so actually the best thing for me in that moment would not be to try to produce something I can't, but actually just to turn on my headlamp. Here is what we know. Is that for you who are following Christ, you are unable to produce the light on your own. You merely respond to light. And so you could spend your entire life seeking out this world to find the light that you long for, to find contentment and satisfaction. You could explore every part of this world seeking to find that light, but what you'll come up to is a growing list of all the different ways that you can't find light for yourself. You'll come to this realization that you are actually unable to produce that light. You needed a light to come to you, a light from outside of you. And what you need is actually not to look within, but to look to King Jesus to provide that light for your life. That Christ, who is your life. And here's the good news of Jesus. He offers that light to you freely. That you could experience and walk in that right now. And Jesus says, man, if you follow him, you will receive the light of life. You will walk in that experience of knowing what it's like to be content, to find purpose, to live a meaningful life. The deepest longings for purpose and joy in this life would be found in the reality that you know King Jesus. The light of the world has invaded your dark story to provide for you the light that you've been seeking for in all the wrong places. And here's the good news for you who are in Christ. You have Christ, the author of life, the light of the world. You have relationship with him. You have contentment in him. You have satisfaction. You have security. You have joy. You have peace in him. And because of that, Jesus is inviting you into an even greater story. And that's our last point, that you are the light of the world. So in this text in John 8, Jesus is clearly saying, I am the light of the world. But what we see when we look at the book of Matthew is that he uses different wording. 
Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew 5, he says these words over you who are in Christ. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus makes this shift from saying that he is the light of the world, but that also you are the light of the world. That when you put your faith in Christ, Christ invades your dark story and actually puts the light of Christ within you so that wherever you go, you are actually a display of his incredible light. That you become a part of the story for how he wants to bring that light throughout the world. So here's what that means for you who are in Christ. You are no longer living as someone seeking after purpose, but rather walking with purpose. And that's what's true over you. You are no longer trying to write an amazing story for your life. But you're jumping in on the greater story that Christ has to save this broken world. You're jumping in with Christ's plan to bring his light to invade every inch of the darkness of this world. And he wants you to be a part of that. You have Christ now and he's shining forth through you to make much of his great name. That other people who are longing for this light, that are longing to find purpose in this life and chasing after every wrong reason to find it, you have the opportunity to show them that light. So you refusing to go out because you want to obey Jesus isn't you being weird, it's you being light. You being willing to have a conversation about how Jesus has changed your life isn't you being closed-minded. It's you being light. You refusing to gossip isn't an inability to engage in conversation. It's you being light. And you can walk in this way because when Christ becomes your light, the pressure is off for other things in this world to provide that light for you. So what that means is a friendship is just a friendship. A vacation is just a vacation. What people think about you is just what people think about you. A test is just a test. Because when we're walking in darkness, we're constantly seeking for the light. We're constantly seeking for something that we don't have. And when we walk in sin, what we are believing in that moment is that we don't have something. We lack something. And so we try to take matters in our own hands and say, Jesus, I know you say this, but I'm going to live like this. But when we walk in the light, we can walk in obedience to Christ because we are resting in the identity that he has given you, not one that you have to earn. And so you're able to walk in the obedience of Jesus. You're able to take steps to be more and more like Jesus. And when you fall short, you confess it and you repent and you turn back to him. We're able to do that because Jesus' light is in us, and he's actually declaring himself to the world through you. Living in that type of freedom is only possible for people who have found the light of Christ. And living in that type of freedom is what causes you 
to be the light of the world. But here's the weight that we see from Matthew 5. That Jesus' light was broken into the darkness, that he is the light of the world, and that he has come to you. That he has brought that light into your story. That he has completely changed your eternity. That he has given you life. That is what he is saying. So how could we ever be people that are trying to hide that light? I want you to imagine with me. Imagine that I'm giving you a tour of my house, okay? So I'm walking through all these different rooms, and I'm showing you all the favorite things about my house, but there's one door that we walk by that's shut. And you're like, hey, what's in this room? You're like, ah, don't worry about it. Don't need to see it. You're probably not imagining that to be some great thing, right? You're probably like, that's, that's probably a rough room that Drake doesn't want people to see during this tour. He's only showing off the, side, the parts of this house that he wants people to see. And what I want to say is, Christian, don't let Christ be that in your life. The light of Christ has invaded your story and has become the most significant thing about you. It was never meant to be hidden. The light of Christ is not just something that you bring forth in a room like this, but it's actually meant to go with you wherever you go. The light of Christ that came to you is meant to shine forth from you to other people around you. The adventure of this life is not in all of the amazing places that you'll go. The adventure is that the light of Christ is with you wherever you go. And that wherever you go, you actually have the opportunity to impact eternity. You have the opportunity to showcase the glory of Christ that this world is longing to see through how you live. You have the opportunity to show the glory of Christ and how you share of how he's changed your life. So I'll tell me, let Christ shine through you. And as you head into this summer, I want to give a couple different reasons or a couple different ways that you can be the light of the world to those around you. And the way I want to do, is that, do this is I want to say a, a quick note to every single class that's here tonight. I want to say, here's my encouragement for what it looks like to be the type of people that aren't seeking this world to write our own story, but we're actually jumping in on the greater story that Christ is writing to change this world. So one by one, I want to go, by, go through each class, and the first one I want to speak to is the freshman. Because you may be going home to a place that is very different, a very different community than what you experience here at Salt Company. A place that presents a family that will be difficult or friends that will want to pull you back into who you once were. But I want to remind you of the dramatic change that has taken place in your life. You've been drawn out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. And what that means for you is that you are not going into the summer alone. Christ is with you. And the fact that Christ is with you makes you the light of the world. Even when you don't believe that, that is what Jesus speaks over you. And what we know is that if Christ was able to bring 
his light into your story, he could do it for anybody. And so let the light of Christ shine through you. Be the, the biggest servant of your house, knocking out every dish that is in the sink this summer. Be the biggest encourager of your friend group and find opportunities to share how Jesus has changed your life. To the sophomores, some of you might be entering your first real internship this summer. And some of you are entering the summer with the furthest thing from a real internship. Either way, you are entering into a time in life where you're going to be tempted to find comfort in all of the things that are lined up for you in your future. And what I want to invite you once again to reconsider is the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and may it serve as a reminder of the incredible care that God has for you. You may be looking into the summer with fear that it will be like the last one, but, you, but I want you to know that you follow the one that says, take heart, I have overcome the world. That darkness didn't win the battle, but Jesus did, and that is the one that is with you. And I want you to know that a day of falling short doesn't define a summer, and Christ wants to use this summer to build you up in him. Let the light of Christ shine through you. Seek greater steps of accountability. Find a daily time to be in God's word and dive into a church wherever you're at. To the juniors, I want to say you may be entering into an internship that could lead to a potential position after college. And I want to remind you to be the type of person that seeks first the kingdom of God. Because we aren't the type of people that are seeking to settle roots in this life. Seek his kingdom in whatever your summer holds. Don't get so consumed in needing to perform that you lose sight of all the people that God has placed around you for you to be light to. Like, think about this. God in all of his sovereignty has placed you where he has you for you to be the light of the world. So let Christ's light shine through you. Seek to do a great job for the good of the company that you're at. Be curious about the lives of those around you and refuse to enter into the culture of gossip. And to the seniors, I want to say, as you go into the next stage of life, know that you are entering into it already having significant purpose, not seeking it out. Because what you know his purpose is not going to be achieved at the top of some corporate ladder, but has already been achieved at the top of Calvary. That there will be every temptation to determine your worth in the amount of money you make, the title on your badge, or the words from a boss, but don't lose sight of what Christ speaks over your life. Don't believe the lie that you are not living purposefully for him because you live for him wherever you go. And even if you're entering into a dark place where no one knows Jesus, all it takes is one light to show off his glory. Let Christ's light shine through you. Be generous with your money. Notice those that are in positions lower than you and rest in the fact that a possible promotion does not compare to all that Christ already has for you. Salt Company, you are the light of the world. 
And what that means is that Christ has entered into your life and provided the light that you've been longing for so that you would shine him to the rest of the world. And the call for you is that wherever you go, don't, don't seek to hide that, but would you fan the flame of his light in this world? That the University of Minnesota and all the places that you go would get a witness of the glory and the light of Christ by how you live, by what you tell them. And that more and more people would be drawn in to the kingdom of his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, I, I come before you tonight even still wrestling today with wanting to find purpose, wanting to find meaning in how I live, wanting to be good enough for you on my own, wanting to do the things of God for you without you. There's so many different ways that I don't rely on you, and I just pray, God, would you continue to speak this over my life? That Jesus, I need you to invade my life for me to live for the glory of you. That there's no greater story that I could write for myself than the one that you've invited me into. That no matter where we go in this life, we want to be a light for your kingdom because that is the only life that goes on be beyond this life. Living for your kingdom is the only one that's a chance of a lifetime because it goes on forever. So, Father, I pray that we would trust your words when you say you brought, you came to bring about abundant life. I pray that we would lean on your word and let that be the lamppost for our feet. Would we not seek to take the throne that only you rightly deserve? And Jesus, make us into the type of people that crave and long for more people to know this incredible light. God, we give you the praise because of what you've done on our behalf. All we can do is say all glory to your name. And God, the prayer is that your name would continue to go on throughout all of the generations and our name would be quickly forgotten because your name is the only one that brings light. Jesus, would you continue to do it? Would you do it again? That more people might come to know you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.